HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the Museum of Food and Drink, sparking curiosity about food with exhibits you can eat. For more information, visit mofad.org. I'm Tim Gunn, author, educator, and Project Runway mentor, and you're listening to Heritage Radio. Welcome back to Magnifico Radio, the weekly podcast featuring conversations in ethical fashion, clean beauty, and sustainable living. I'm your host, Kate Black, and I just want to say a heartfelt thank you to everyone for your support, to all of our listeners, and to everyone who's been tweeting and sharing on social media. This is the beginning of our third season here on the Heritage Radio Network. Each week, I sit down with designers, makers, and leaders at the forefront of sustainability to discuss their journeys and motivation. This podcast is an extension of my blog, Magnifico.com, and that's Magnifico.com, and my book, also called Magnifico, Your Head-to-Toe Guide to Ethical Fashion and Non-Toxic Beauty. Today's guest didn't start her career in fashion, but given her passion and her design experience contest, now in its third year, it might be the one where she makes her greatest impact. Welcome. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Good, can you hear me okay? Just sitting on the other side of the ocean, I just wasn't sure if I'm already on. You are definitely on and we are live. So yes, so I'm talking to Andrea today, she's in Berlin, we couldn't get together in Brooklyn, so this is the Brooklyn-Berlin matchup. Um, so can you tell everybody about, um, well let's just start at the beginning, how did you get involved in fashion? Um, well, actually, um, fashion came to me. Um, I'm, I wasn't involved in fashion at all. I actually studied economics and was in marketing until I moved to Marrakesh and actually renovated a Riyadh, an old house in the Medina of Marrakesh, and was fascinated by the crafts and the skills of the people. And I started collecting old vintage bags, like hand-embroidered leather bags, and... Um, um, when I brought them back to, to Berlin, where I live, um, a lot of my girlfriends, they said, wow, they're really cool, and like I would like to have one too. So I started collecting these bags and bringing them back to friends. And then I got involved into the stories of the people, because every time I found a bag, people told me about um, how it was made, but also how they struggled to keep quality because a lot of Chinese imports, prices go down, and their their skills are not valued. And this is kind of how I thought I want to change that. 
And this is how I got into fashion. It's so, and it, it kind of, it's so funny how, how almost all my guests have, have similar stories or similar moments where they just kind of got connected with tradition and craft. And so when you were, when you were redoing um, this house in Marrakesh, you, you were made a conscious decision to do it as authentically and, and using as many traditional crafts as possible. Why did you have that? Why did you have that vision? Well, well, we thought going to this this country, we really would like to kind of tell the story of the country and their traditions and 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 also learn ourselves and kind of bring it like bring it together like what what like things from our world that mix with or blend in with the local skills. And was it an easy transition? Uh, it was um, a f- fantastic transformation, I would say, at the end. <laughs> <laughs> How long did it take to transform it? Um, it it took about a year. Okay. Yeah, one year. And now the space is yeah. available for other people who want inspiration, right? Is it? Did you? Is it not the Absolutely. smallest? It's the smallest hotel in the Starwoods category. <laughs> It is. <laughs> it is. We are like if you if you go to the Saud website and you go into Marrakesh and you look for the smallest house, then it's up. That's amazing. And so as you started to kind of get involved with your with your neighbors and your community in Marrakesh and you started to kind of engage with these women about these purses, how did how did and, and you started to bring those purses back to Berlin, how did this form into a business? Well, to be honest, first, the first idea was more kind of, okay, I sell the vintage bags and then I reinvest the money in um, education projects for the women so that they can actually um, go the next step, like learn how to read and write and things like that. But then soon, because I studied economics, I thought it's actually not challenging and, and charity is nice, but it, you, you could transform much more if you actually would help the people to use their skills and to be active and actually help themselves. So um, at a certain point, I, I was sitting with a friend and the traditional bags, the straps, you cannot like make them longer or shorter. So she was like, well, these bags would even be better if you could adjust the, the strap. And that was actually the moment when I thought, yeah, that's the idea. You have to bring together young design and modern eyes for functions and, and trends and forms, but use the traditional techniques to make something unique, emotional, um, yeah, with high quality. And, and, and that's the, that was the moment when it started to transform to be a business. Amazing. And, when, and you have a shop in Berlin. When did you open the shop? We opened the shop four years ago. So you opened the shop. Traditionally, you started to um, to sell the goods that you were importing. When did you, this idea of creating the design experience come to you? Well, the first um, collection I did with a designer friend in Marrakesh. And then I thought, like, I, I went to um, ESMOD, which is a design university here in Berlin, and um, asked the professor what she thinks about it, and she actually loved it. So she's like, why don't you want to pitch in front of our students? And then 
I started the, the dialogue with the, the young um, design generation. And I actually learned that also for them it's really difficult, number one, to get into the market, to get a name, but also like to combine their passion for creativity and fashion with their consciousness with being a sustainable designer and actually finding a job being a sustainable designer. So I thought, like, how cool is that? We can support local artisans, but at the same time also kind of support young designers to actually make a first step into the fashion business. And so, so that was the first time where we did a kind of a trial and one of the designers and did um, her master with us in Marrakesh. And then, to be honest, it was kind of a, I thought, okay, what we can do in Morocco with ESMOD, we can do everywhere in the world with every design university in the world. And we can just do a global designer contest. And it's amazing because, <laughs> well, but that's what's so kind of revolutionary because I think you're probably one of the only ones in the world that has a contest, but that has a contest that goes just beyond um, a, an internship opportunity. Because I think that I think that you're not alone. I think that there's a lot of groups that work with artists and communities that are really trying to to bridge young designers and and design thinking with these communities, but don't necessarily have the capacity. So you created a foundation, you got some really great sponsors, and then you've kind of opened this up to this global competition. So let's start at the mm. foundation. What, what made you decide that it needed to be funded from a foundation? I'm sorry. Sorry, can you please yeah. um, ask that again? Yeah, what made you decide to start, it, start the contest um, from the foundation as opposed to like funding it from your work or from the store? Um, well, it, it is an education project, kind of, for both sides. And, um, and we, we really actually want them to, to, to learn, but also it's, um, they, yeah. And so, then... So that was... And because it's a foundation, because it's not for profit, then you were able to get some really um, great support. So, for example, Dr. Hauschka, the, the German beauty brand, is one of the sponsors of the contest. Yeah. Yeah. And so how did you bridge that? How is Dr. Hauschka interested in emerging designers working in traditional communities? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's all about storytelling at the end, you know, and, um, and about bringing values um, together that match. And Dr. Hauschka is a very conscious brand, um, and they care for their plants and what they do as much as we care for the artisans and, and the, the things behind. And then on top, we, we tell the stories of the people, um, and we integrate also countries that the Hauschka also plants their, their um, ingredients. Like, for example, now we go to Ethiopia and um, Dr. Hauschka is planting their roses in Ethiopia. So, so also we kind of bridge these stories and tell them through our platforms. Oh, I didn't realize that was the connection. So when you started in 2015 in Ecuador, Dr. it's because Dr. Hauschka also has some projects in Ecuador. Um, actually, they weren't. Um, they they only started now to be part of the um, of the design experience when with Etiopia. Oh, okay. Before before we um, 
we work with AEG as well, um, Electrolux, who is like doing um, washing machines. Yeah. But they, they have a really cool project, which is called the Care Label Project. And they want to create awareness that 50% of the ecological footprint of a garment is actually in the hand of the buyer. So, like, as a designer, you have 50%, like, how you produce and what you do, but then is it actually how you care? Like, how often do you wash? How hot do you wash? Um, and how often do you wear a garment, or do you just wear it twice and then you throw it away, or it's, like, only in your, your closet? And they have, like, this awareness campaign, and we are, like, one of the um, designers who is kind of um, supporting this idea of, of creating awareness that it's it's all it's in our hands as much as in the hands of us as a designer as us as a customer. Amazing. Okay, and so the way that the the contest is structured, and again, it's open to any emerging designer from any country in the world. Correct. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Like absolutely. And so you. Um, sorry. No, you go ahead. Yeah, it's it's that that's the idea. Like we want to also connect cultures. Like last year, the winner um, was Pam, who was originally from Zimbabwe, and she went to Ecuador. So she didn't speak any Spanish, but she managed to kind of go to the Andes. She lived two months with this community in Ecuador, and and created an amazing back collection. And and I love this story too because she. When she made the application and she put in the application, if I remember correctly, she wasn't even sure what kind of indigenous materials she would be working with. Is that correct? Yeah. So she That's she just correct. so these these are accessory designers who are looking for an experience and looking for a cultural exchange. So she won. You sent her off to Ecuador, and then she lived for two months. Yeah. And and worked with the community there, worked with indigenous materials there, and then came up with the most stunning woven. Um, what's it made out of her collection? Um, it's made of um, alpaca, wool, leather, and bust straw. Right. So and that's she- a, a mix. Yeah. The thing is not like when when the winner is um, announced. We then start a mentoring process. So then she gets information from us, like where she goes, what what kind of skills there are, um, what materials they use, so that we kind of, um, before she goes there, we, we already work on ideas of the collection together. So um, she, she knows like what she's, what, what will, what she's encountering or he. Amazing. And then the support is there after she comes home. So not only do you sell the collection um, in the store in Berlin, but you also entered for that particular collection into the Handbag Designer of the Year award. And did she win that or she came runner up in that? Um, she was nominated. Right? She was in the last five. Right. She didn't win, but, oh. but she was in the um, most socially responsible handbag. Yeah, it's so amazing. Okay, we need to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back, and I want to talk about last year's winner, whose collection is coming out as we speak. Okay, we'll be right back. Thank you.
Hi, I'm Dave Arnold, the host of Cooking Issues on the Heritage Radio Network. We all know and love Chinese takeout dishes like General Tso's chicken and egg rolls. But here's the thing. Even though we call it Chinese food, it's not like the food you'd find in China. What's the story behind this cuisine, and how did it become so popular that you can find a Chinese-American restaurant in nearly every town in the country? The answers may surprise you. Visit the Museum of Food and Drink in Brooklyn and see our newest exhibition, Chow, Making the Chinese-American Restaurant. Chow engages visitors with compelling accounts of how Chinese immigrants overcame racism and created Chinese-American cuisine. Discover the science behind the flavors of your favorite takeout dishes, feast on rotating tastings developed by the country's most talented Chinese-American chefs, and try your hand at writing your own fortune, which will be baked into actual cookies by a 1,500-pound fortune cookie machine. What better way to learn, connect, and eat? You can visit Chow at the Museum of Food and Drink on Fridays through Sundays from noon to 6. Tickets and more information can be found at mofad.org. You're listening to Magnifico Radio. This is Kate Black, and today I'm sitting down, well, across the pond with Andrea Burry of Abury Design. So this is the third edition of the Abury Design Experience, which this year is going to send a winner to Ethiopia to preserve world craft and culture through design. All you need to do is be over the age of 21, and if you're recently graduated, it needs to be within five years of graduation. So let's talk about last year's winner, who was also Canadian? Is that do I remember this correctly? Yeah, he he was from um, Canada, and you and uh, and they sent him to Morocco. Amazing! And so, just before the break, you said that you you sit down with the the winners beforehand, so they know the materials, they know some of the local crafts, and so what was he most interested in, or what was he most inspired by about Morocco? Um, well, he, he, he was, he is working with leather and, um, in Canada as well. So, um, for him, it was like his home material, but, um, like it's always a cultural shock kind of when, when they really like come to the country, especially if they haven't traveled so much before. And so he was most amazed by the like the people <laughs> I have to say so so and and then also about that the culture is so completely different but then there are so many things that actually connect although you are on the other side of the world and you're completely different cultural background but still you care for the same things and and he felt at the end very very close, although at the beginning he felt very far. And and for his collection, he kind of described this process of getting closer to this other culture that he, he um, looked at the people through windows and doorways because there are a lot of like these, these big doors and doorways and windows. And, and so he integrated that as kind of discovering a culture through the windows, yeah. Oh, that makes perfect sense now that you say it because I have the press back and I was looking at how beautiful um, the bags look and they're color blocked and I was trying to understand the shape and so now that you say that, I'm like, oh, of course they are windows and doors. So they're color blocked in leather with this (laughs) kind of this image of a window or a door as as the blocking. Oh, that makes so much sense. 
Okay. And yeah. so this contest you extended, um, sometimes um, some of the listeners might see some wording that says that the contest end, ends on May the 5th, but it's actually been extended until when? May the 12th? Yes, absolutely. It's extended to May 12th. And so how do people who are listening, how can they apply? Um, it's very easy. You just go on adex.avery.net and um, there's an online application. So there are questions that, that you can like answer, upload some photos. And what we also would like to have is a small video that you can just do in front of your computer where you just tell us um, why you would like to be the next Avery designer and why you're fascinated by crafts and like what's motivating you so that we get to know the, the person as well. Perfect. And so that's ADEX because that stands for the Abury Design Exchange. So A-D-E-X dot dot net. And so what kind yeah. of advice do you have for emerging designers who, who, who maybe don't go through this, this contest or who are kind of trying to, to merge their own passions with other cultures? What kind of advice do you have about working with traditional craft cultures? Well, first of all, it's kind of you really have to let go from your classical like planning and thinking. I think it, it's really about um, diving into another world and also it's, it's adapting. Like um, you, you, what we learned with traditional craft communities is kind of you cannot work um, in like harsh deadlines and and like we usually work. Um, but it's it's fascinating to let go. And, and it actually, at the end, it always works. Um, but the more you, you want to keep it like you think it's right, the less it works. So, and the more you let go, the easier it is. And do you think that's also true about like leaving your footprint? Because I know that there's there's been some dialogue um, over here in North America about the, this marrying of design and craft cultures or tradition and modern and and where can we draw a line about making too much of an impact or or actually I don't know doing doing something to the indigenous craft with our own perspectives? Is there is there a certain personality you think that does best in that kind of um, marrying of old and new? Hmm, that's a really good question. Um, I, I, I really, it's really hard to tell because I've seen so many different characters now and, and um, I don't want to say it's just one personality that can actually um, survive. It's, um, it really depends on how you react when you're on the spot. And, um, and I, I think it's about taking time as well and building trust and and then a lot of things are possible because uh, the people are always super motivated and they want to prove that they do amazing things and and it's just about to unleash that that passion and and then yeah Amazing. And, and have you experienced any um, obstacles? Like when you had the first um, design exchange in Ecuador or last year in Morocco, was there anything that came up that was surprising or um, a challenge that you didn't expect? Well, to be honest, like every time there are new challenges that we um, encounter. So um, I, I think, yeah, that, that's pretty normal. Um, 
Um, well, well, the first year, for example, we learned that we have to mentor much more because we travel so much and we are so used to dive into different cultures. It's it's still exciting, but it doesn't disturb you. Um, and if you have a designer who is not so much used to um, living in another culture and not living in a hotel, but also living with the people and maybe not used to also see like poverty, and I'm not talking about really deep poverty, but still for our eyes maybe poverty, um, then they need a little bit more guidance and support. So now, for example, we we talk with the designer at least every second day while they, when they're on their, um, on their trip. Um, but then also, on the other hand, with the, with the craft communities, you have really funny things like you order... Um, some bags and then they come back in a completely different color and you ask them like why did you choose that color when we asked for that color and they're like yeah but this color is actually really nice and have you seen embroidery it's fantastic so they're very proud of these bags and they don't really care about the color because their embroidery is amazing and and yeah so every time you have a new surprise it's amazing. So it so it's a contest that's open and probably appealing to people with a bit of wanderlust, people with a, certainly with an open mind, and really any um, accessory designer who wants a new experience and really wants to kind of dive into culture through design. Is that correct? That's absolutely super correct. And, and what, now in Ethiopia, if there is somebody who has experience like we all have, um, cotton and hand woven silk. So just for them already to know what what will be there. Okay, so the so the materials from Ethiopia are um, predominantly going to be cotton and silk. Yeah, and it will be a handbag or an accessory collection that they'll be creating. Yeah, well, I I I, I can imagine some smaller bags, obviously, but then I can also imagine scarves, cushions, like. No matter. Amazing, and so the and the prize is really this opportunity to create a collection. Then, then that Abury is going to sell for the designer. Yeah, like we, it's kind of the the travel and production budget, and then obviously also the PR package. So we all we they, they will be featured in a press release. We'll like they will produce a hang tag that that is with the name of the designer and a quote and a photo that is on each bag that, that we sell so that people know who actually has designed it. Um, and we'll, we'll think about like where we can put it into contests, like with pants for the handbags, for the Independent Handbag Design Award. Um, so, yeah, we'll definitely, like also in the months after the, the design experience, we will promote the designer. Amazing. And anybody who has a chance to go to Berlin in the next couple of months should come by your shop so that they can see these past yes. collections. Where is the shop located? The shop is in between Prenzlauer Berg and Mitte okay. in Kastanienallee. It's pretty central. And if they don't get the opportunity to come to Berlin, they can purchase um, the bags and the accessories online? Yes. At Avery. Avery.net. Avery.net. And do you have any other, do you have any international stockists or is there anywhere that people can buy the bags outside of Berlin? Um, 
to be honest, not so many at the moment. We sold some bags to a bag museum in the U.S. Um, and we are, we are open for wholesalers. Yes. Wholesalers listening to the show, call Andrea. Um, so this is my third season. So I've decided to add this new segment and it's called three quick questions. So I wanted to know if your life had a motto, what would it be? Well, there's a, a quote of um, Nietzsche who said, um, you have to carry a little bit of chaos in you to give birth to a dancing star. And I think that's really what my life is about. Um, it seems to be very chaotic, but I think that's, that's how you can create amazing things. <laughs> amazing. And who or what inspires you? Um, definitely other people and other cultures. Um, I, I really love to, to learn, um, how other people live, their view on life. Um, and, and you can learn so much by traveling and listening. So, yeah. And what's left on your bucket list? What are you working towards? Um, having more time to travel. <laughs> well, how much that's do you, my, how often do you travel? That's my, well, I do travel quite a bit, but I travel a lot for work. So then you don't really get a lot of, like, possibility to really explore a country um, so so maybe I, I would have to say to to travel with some time nice okay. um, that's maybe my private um, goal but like for for Avery obviously we want to kind of um, expand the network um, bring the design experience to many more countries and um, spread the word so we, that, that you can change the world also through business. We have just been certified as a B Corp. Oh, congratulations. So, thank you. Yeah. That... I'm pretty proud now being like part of this um, amazing group of companies um, who kind of believe in this common goal. That's amazing. And to that point, actually talking about the, um, the Avery design experience, if anybody um, out there works at a fashion college, Andrea has amazing posters and a bunch of um, handouts that she prepares for this contest. So if you have time to get in touch with her for the closing date of May the 12th, you could do so this week um, and she could provide you with those or definitely reach out to her for next year to make sure that you're graduating students and, and some of your alumni with less than five years from school have the opportunity to take advantage of this amazing contest. Andrea, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you so much. That was really exciting. And so tell us where, um, for social media, where can people follow the, the finalists and, and see what the new collection looks like? You're on Instagram, yeah, well, right? We have a Facebook site, which is Avery Design Experience. Um, but then also on Instagram, you can follow us at Avery Collection. And the same on Twitter. Amazing. So thank you again to Andrea Burry. Thank you to the Heritage Radio Network. You can find and subscribe to Magnifico Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. And if you like what you hear, kindly give us a review. I'd love to hear your thoughts and also a rating. 
It helps us rank higher amongst conventional fashion podcasts and to push these conversations forward. Have a question, want to be a sponsor, recommend a guest, you can always reach me directly at radio at magnifico.com. And remember, it's magnifico.com. And want to learn more about artisan products and craft traditions, plus hundreds of other stories, visit magnifico.com. Until next week. listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 